What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a, with a fresh service to debrief in order to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than the power of conversation? I am Mark Francis, your host today, and with me, I have once again the lovely Alicia Battaglia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Hey, Good to see you it's, in uh, person once again. Daylight savings, so the days are longer, which is fantastic. Days are yeah. longer, no, right? Yeah. Is that what it technically, technically like? I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> there, ask. I mean, that. there's still, I guess, 24 hours in the day, but we get more daylight <laughs> while we're awake, which is really nice. So one thing exciting is like outside sports are happening, and um, yeah, so kids are out on the fields again. Yep. I've got to ask great. you about the flowers. You know, when we were in COVID here for our mm-hmm. podcasting, or Zoom lighting, we called mm-hmm. it. You had your flower background. What's happening on your property right now? So right now, I've got some tools tulips that are starting to pop through and some hyacinths that are popping through and those are especially very fragrant so um they're on along my walkway so when they bloom it'll be splendid just hopefully no more snow you know yes i don't know why do we always talk about weather to start this off mark you're here with us once again yeah i I was just gonna say um, 28 years ago and I, i i meant to grab the date on it was 28 years ago uh, like this week or this weekend or last weekend, some March, we had a doozy of a snowstorm. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it was 1993, <laughs> and we had a young couple from uh, Houston, Texas, staying with us and visiting us oh, by the name of John and Diane Morrison. <laughs> they were candidating, and they'd come up from Houston, Texas, and uh, they... Came on a Thursday, I think it was. We had a meeting on Thursday night, and then the storm hit, and everything was canceled the whole weekend. It was gone. I thought, we will never see this Houston, Texas couple again. And you were stuck well, with them for how long? Well, I think what happened is <laughs> well. that they got snowed in, and they couldn't leave, so they had to stay forever. <laughs> right. Well, almost. But uh, yeah, it was like a 30-inch or some 36 inches of snow, and he's helping me scoop snow and all that stuff. And I thought, they're not coming they're not up coming. to this church. Yeah. And uh, 28 years later... John and Diane Morrison are still with us. Well, congratulations to both of you for sticking out the snow, John, and Mark for entertaining John enough to keep him here. You bet. (laughs) Well done. We done good. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, here we are once again in the middle of Romans, and we're, Mark, as you've been sharing this kind of package of Romans 9, 10, 11, we're diving into Romans 11. But before we we get into that, I just want to acknowledge what happened a little bit in the, the worship service before the sermon, and we had a, a moment for us as a congregation to do a spiritual checkup. And it's kind of a regular basis that we've done this with the family ministry, kind of spearheading that concept. I want to turn to either of you guys. Were you, did you get a chance to fill it out? And, and mm-hmm. how helpful is something like this? I mean, we all go to a doctor. We all, at least we should be going to a doctor for a yearly checkup. How are we doing with inventorying our own lives? So yeah. what, what did that do for you? I, last time, we it was online because we weren't mm-hmm. meeting in person. Right. And so this time we were able to uh, get the little card and fill that out. And it's good. It's, um, it's a good time just to reflect and ask yourself those honest questions of how am I doing in this area and just to gauge and see where where does the Lord really need to to work? Where do I uh, need to submit myself in a new way uh, to better glorify Him in these different areas, yeah. which is singleness, married, grandparenting, 
uh, it's there's something for everybody. And I appreciated John Avery's video where he was able to really personalize it, mm-hmm. you know, share from his heart of where he's been and, and how he was challenged in a way to say, well, I've got to think more strategically of how am I doing in these in these specific relationships with God, with my family, and with the people around me. Yeah, I was I, I like the way we did it this time and, and and the way it all kind of flowed in the service. Mm-hmm. My my only struggle is I I don't know if three minutes yeah it it gets it gets yeah. it. it it gets you thinking about it and it raises the the importance of awareness. Mm-hmm. I just don't know for me personally if a lot of spiritual checkup is being done. You got to take it home and put some more thought into it. I, I guess that's what, what I was going to encourage because, you know, a 75 minute is a typical worship service pre COVID for us. We're now pared down to 60 or 65 minutes, still with the sermon, still with singing time. You know, trying to squeeze everything in is is challenging, but. We, we want to say this is the level of importance that we want to put it on, is to put it into our corporate gatherings to allow us to think right. and do it together and not just say, oh, go online and uh, and think about doing it, but actually call people to do it yeah. in the moment. So you're right. You're, you need to really think it's a little a, bit harder about it. It's the beginning about, yes, of a process. Exactly. Which yeah. is, it's a, it is accessible online, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, that's so what we I was can go back and if just... You, if you missed it, it's online. Just mm-hmm. go find it, spiritual checkup, do those questions. And then even on top of that, we handed out uh, almost like a, a checklist of things that you can do, some action steps to take in order to say, okay, if, if I want to grow in my relationship with God, here's some things that I can do that the church is offering, mm-hmm. some resources, some tools. If I'm going to grow with my relationship with my family, you know, there's the home center. If I'm going to grow my relationships with other people around me, here's some things that are going on at the church that we can do that together. Mm-hmm. So having the assessment for ourselves, for that checkup, and then also some steps to take, I think is helpful. Yeah. And it's all online. Yeah. Absolutely. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go to the home center. And uh, you mentioned it, but there's great resources there mm-hmm. so it's it's not there we're not void of resources around no here no we're not no yeah well let's dive in romans 11 we were in verses 1 through 10 this past week and alicia i'll turn to you kind of give us a uh, a brief update on what god spoke to you through this time yeah so the the title of the sermon was Retribu- retribution but not rejection and so god's not finished with his people and even though there is retribution for their sins, uh, there's not there. God hasn't rejected his people, his people, uh, his nation is still his beloved and he still is fulfilling his purpose through them. And, um, that made me think about Romans as a whole and the things that we're hitting on there. Uh, we're being introduced to, a lot of stuff in Romans, and there's a lot of really hard truth that we're seeing, and that makes me think about how important doctrine is to our daily living, and I think that it is especially important that we um, dig in and learn about who God is and grow in our knowledge of God and um, be purposeful in doctrine and as we do that, application does flow. And I don't mean knowledge as in like the Pharisees and Sadducees, how they uh, were full of knowledge in, in a puffed up way. That was very man-centered. Um, but when we're digging into doctor, doctrine with a very 
God-centered focus, um, that affects our lives. It affects our thinking. It affects the way that we respond to circumstances. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that is the natural uh, application naturally flows. And so I, I noticed, Pastor Mark, that you, through, you know, we went through the text, but then your applications were all about God. And I was like, hey, we're doing it. <laughs> this is, this is it. This is, this is that doctrine that automatically flows into application. And for those of you, just as a reminder, the first application was God is undaunted in his faithfulness. The second, God is uncompromising in his holiness. And the third was God is underestimated in his sovereign work of grace. So um, he's, he's inexhaustible. So our view of him can only get bigger because... Inexhaustible. That's got to be the word of the day. Yeah. yeah. He, if you think about that, and, and even when you think about eternity, we're going to be forever learning more about who God is. We're not ever going to figure him out because there's always more because he's so, he's so big and we're so small. <laughs> I, I mean, I love that because essentially Paul had a great knowledge of God as well. And, and he's challenging people to say, well, does it look like that God is rejecting his people? Well, if you don't have a true relationship and understanding of who God is, you might think that. Mm -hmm. and, and here Paul is rebutting that line of thinking to say, no, we need to have a better understanding of God, understand his character, and you'll know that he is going to be true to his people. And, and that's where he goes with this passage. Yeah, I, I, again, the what Alicia is saying is you've got to you got to look through the filter, through the lens of uh, of theology, truth about God, mm -hmm. and and it's all over here. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't miss it, and that's why the applications were that way. Um, it says a lot about God if Israel is finished, if if God had rejected His people. It wouldn't say that much about Israel, because mm -hmm. well, we all know they should right. be rejected. Yeah. Right. It would say everything about God. Mm -hmm. It says everything about God that He has not rejected the people mm -hmm. that He foreknew. Right. So um, I think I think there should be great encouragement uh, and hope when we read a passages or understand passages about how God has dealt with Israel and how He's going to deal with Israel. And yet, in between all that is this concept of retribution. I mean, God has He has set apart His people. But he hasn't severed himself mm -hmm. from his people, mm -hmm. and um, I, I we'll see more of that in Romans chapter in, in part of chapter eleven. Mm -hmm. But um, well, you referenced um, somewhere along the lines in the application part Isaiah forty, and that the part that you hit on was towards the end, and and it's of the same line of just knowing God first. Have you not? This is starting in verse. Uh, 28 in Isaiah 40, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He, his understand, understanding is unsearchable. So it, he's just, um, he, he is righteous. He is sovereign. He is just and he is holy. And the way that he chooses to execute, execute his justice is right and good, whether we think so or not. Mm -hmm. And so the mm -hmm. fact that we bring our judgments to the table, it really doesn't matter <laughs> right? because it's, it's his judgments that are righteous and holy and good. Yeah. And so um, we, we must align ourselves to 
his rule and reign, yeah. not vice versa. No. Yeah. And, and actually, this coming weekend, when we're going to look at verse 22, uh, in part of that next section, but it's Paul is saying, look, you know, behold, consider, um, behold, look at the kindness and the severity of God. Right. And so it yeah. comes down to what what is our our view of God. And when you talk about the nation of Israel, you, you can get kind of, um, it, it's an uneasy discussion because, you know, on the one hand, you would think, God, you were way too lenient. You know, come on. I mean, centuries of, they, you know, uh, they should have been wiped off in the 8th century B.C. Mm -hmm. and, and then on the other hand, it's like, um, you know, God, you're, you're so kind and gracious. And uh, why does it seem like you're forgetting them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, 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 what's going on right now with with Israel? Is it, it you know, you, you made a covenant, a promise. It, it, are you, you going to be true to that? And Paul is saying, look, there's a balance in a, in all of this. Again, God is undaunted in His faithfulness, but He is uncompromising in His holiness. Mm -hmm. And no matter where you are in Scripture, you know, you can see the character of God. And a lot of times you might say, well, it's tough for me to make applications from the Old Testament stories and or find how does the nation, what do I care about the nation of Israel? Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's easy to think that. But when you really look and see what is, what is the truth about God, what can I gain in my understanding of who he is through the nation of Israel, we can look back and see there. I mean, it's, it's awesome. We have scripture. We can look and see what were Israel's successes and failures. And here we, we know the character of God because of that. So what does it mean to us today? I, well, I think is really what, where I'm going with that. And that's, that's really neat because Paul, like Paul does that all throughout the letter. He's always referencing back to Old Testament stuff. And so that, um, that example that he, he gives us in chapter 11 about Elijah, mm -hmm. um, it, it hits home because Elijah, he experiences grace as well that are not by works. And um, as I was looking back in, into his story, um, and Pastor Mark, you referenced, uh, let's see, was it in First Kings chapter eight, chapters 18 and 19, um, his story. Mm -hmm. And yep. um, so Elijah, he's, he knows... God's mighty ways. He's he knows these miracles. He's experienced uh, being fed by ravens. He was fed by uh, this poor widow who had nothing. Uh, he saw uh, God put breath into her son's life as he was basically dying. Um, he's seen God bring famine. He's seen God bring rain. He has seen these prophets of Baal defeated, which was the glorious, you Big know, fire. fiery scene and all of that. And so, um, but, but the part here where, it, when he feels like he's the only one left mm -hmm. in Israel and he, he's in this cave and his life is being threatened and, um, he's, he's realizing in his current situation that he's no better than his fathers, the fathers before him. And he's, I, I mean, we talked about this in our small group last night. One of, the pity so, party. Right? Yeah, it was the pity party. And he's, he's feeling the, the toll of what he's been through, but also he's, he has gone through a lot. He's gone through this, these spiritual battles, these physical battles and all of that. And what jumped out to me 
is um, how he's, he's in this cave and God tells him, he says, go out and stand out on the mount before the Lord. And, and then God sends this big wind and uh, this earthquake and then he sends fire and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. One thing that stood out to me about that is first thing God told him to go out and he didn't go out of the cave. He stayed in the cave. So he really wasn't like obeying <laughs> and God's doing all of these mighty works out there. But it's when he hears God's whisper to him, he responds and he goes out and then he has to cover his face. And so I just, I think that um, th there's, there is something to that soft, intimate closeness to God where he does speak to us. He, he speaks in big, mighty ways, but he also speaks to us in those stillness of the moment and in that, those quiet that, that quiet closeness and he's he's in essence experiencing his holiness where he's got to cover his face um but it once again wasn't based on his performance elijah's not performing well and even after that god gives him orders on what to do next and he's got you know his his remnant reserved and all of that and even at that elijah it's not really there's not really evidence that he's completely obeying god fully um, but God still shows him grace and shows him mercy and ministers to him despite his performance, yeah. which okay. stands out to me like that. That's another one of just the kindnesses of God, how uh, he shows us grace when we don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the themes that comes out. That was one of the proofs of why Paul said in, in Romans 11, uh, what God has not rejected his people, has he? No. He said, look at me. Right. I mean, if anybody deserved hell, it was Paul. He was a, a Jew, but he got saved. Um, and he, he says in verse 6 of Romans 11, it, it's by, by grace. All the, so there's that. The, Paul is wanting us to focus on these core characteristics of God. Yeah. And, and God responds to grace. Mm -hmm. And these stories in the Old Testament or these stories about the Jews and, and, and what Paul is saying here, I was reminded of Romans 15, where he says in uh, verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, mm -hmm. so that through perseverance and encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Mm -hmm. So the story mm -hmm. you just mentioned, Alicia, with, with Elijah, and you read that, you study it, you, we should walk away with some hope. Yeah. And because, yeah. wow, God, you, you, again, behold the kindness, also the severity of God. Mm -hmm. And so that was the other theme, it, retribution. Mm -hmm. uh, so he quotes um, these messianic, this, uh, I, I focused on uh, Psalm 69, the messianic psalm of, of David that uh, Paul quotes here in, in uh, Romans chapter 11. And it's, uh, you know, it's some pretty tough language of uh, what, what God is going to do um, because of how Israel has acted. And it... Um, let me read that again to you. Oh, and by the way, as I'm turning to that passage, I don't know if I don't know if anybody caught this. I know one person did. Uh, uh, I spoke some mis un untruth Sunday. You did I <laughs> this didn't Sunday? Catch it. Yes, you didn't catch it. <laughs> no, shame, what did you shame, say? shame. <laughs> I will reveal it. 
from the pulpit this week. Okay. Oh. Well, okay. Is this can now be a new podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> quiz? Is yeah. what is the untruth of the of well, the week? Well, though, we would go way too long. Would be the problem if we, if we focused on that each week. We would go a couple hours, but uh, so in Psalm sixty nine, um, a messianic psalm, meaning this is a psalm about about Jesus, the Messiah, mm-hmm. and in verse twenty. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am sick, and I looked for sympathy. There was none, and for comforters, but I found none. This is Jesus really talking. They gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink on the cross right. and all, everybody. So, so right. this is the Messiah talking about. Verse 22, may their table be before them become a snare, and when they are in peace, may, they be, may it become a trap. Made their table, and and I think what the psalmist is saying, what as he's writing this, the table that had just been spread for the Messiah was a table of bitterness, mm-hmm. of vinegar. Mm-hmm. They gave me gall to eat and vinegar to drink. That was their hospitality to me. Mm-hmm. That was the table that they gave me, their Messiah. Mm-hmm. And God is now flipping and says, "Well, I will make their table, made their table before them become a snare, uh, a trap." Verse 23, may their eyes grow dim so that they cannot see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation on them may, uh, and may your burning anger overtake them. And that's what Paul quotes wow. here in mm-hmm. Romans 11. Mm-hmm. So the Turning rejection the on them, flipping it. That's right. Wow. Right. Yeah. So the rejection of the Messiah, it's like God is just was patient, patient, patient. The Old Testament ends with warning in Malachi, 400 years of mm-hmm. silence. But then God's faithful, you know, is shown again when Zacharias the, and the priest and, and John the Baptist is born and, and those promises come to Zacharias and and then John the Baptist is born and then Mary and the angel comes to Mary. And so there's this hope. He's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. And, and so there's this excitement. There's this sense of stirring. And as we come uh, in a couple of weeks to Palm Sunday, that excitement, that level of fervor and hope just crescendos on the on that uh, first Palm Sunday. I mean, as Jesus rides in and, and they wave their palm branches and Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, our King. Uh, and then a week later, he's dead. I mean, so the rejection of the Messiah by the Jews warrants hmm. this... Uh, retribution. This, these, it's kind of an imprecatory psalm. It's a judgment was going to come, and uh, anybody could make the could have taken the conclusion. God must be done with the Jews, right. which is why again Paul writes this, and hmm. it, it's again retribution, but it's not rejection. God is not so, finished. Something that came up in our small group meeting last night, and I just I would like you to touch on this just a little bit. Um, in, in this past sermon, and you've mentioned before in other sermons about how God takes us out to the woodshed, you know mm-hmm. how, we, and and He disciplines us, and and ultimately it's all out of love and um, to conform us into holiness and looking more like Him. Um, but can you maybe touch on what that looks like of you know the quote, taking, taking us out to the woodshed for believers versus those who are in complete unbelief and are totally rejecting God um, and how he handles that. Uh, because for... As unbelievers. As unbelievers versus versus for us as believers, because um, 
for me, like it, it strikes a little like, oh my gosh, God's taking me out to the woodshed. And, but I, that doesn't like sit well with me and the fact that for me, the way that I feel like God, it is God's kindness and how he deals with my sin and the fact that he, it's his kindness that brings me to repentance and the consequences of my sin are like, that's what's humiliating. <laughs> that's sure. what is humbling. Um, and that, yeah, I, I'm sure this would be probably hard for you, Alicia, to understand, because I'm sure you were a little goody two-shoes. No, all your, no, which has nothing in your, there, uh, there was, experience. there was something that someone shared. He's in the military and he, in our small group, and he, he helped kind of clear this up a little bit because he said that, but in, in military terms, if there's a soldier who's out of line, then the, uh, the officer who's over him would take him to the side, take him to the wall, wall. take him to the wall. wall. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens and, on that wall. I have yeah, no idea. basically give him a correction of sorts that'll set him straight so that when he comes back in line with the other soldiers, he's back in line. And I was like, okay, now that's a necessary action. Right. Um, so and that, and, that and, helped. And the, the, the quote from Hebrews 12, um, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us as they saw best, you know, and he says, um, uh, but he says, God disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Mm -hmm. All discipline, and actually, um, uh, it says earlier, um, um, you can actually pick up in verse 5, 6, and 7, but verse 6 says, he quotes from the Old Testament, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And then the next phrase it's from Psalm uh, 119, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Mm -hmm. I would think that would have, you know, put fear in the soul of any right. believer mm -hmm. right. to think of that century, thinking yeah. of the scourging, mm -hmm. the Roman scourge. So he goes on and says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So he does it to train us for holiness. So God is far more interested in our holiness mm -hmm. than he is our happiness. Right. Yeah. It's not a happy thing to be disciplined mm -hmm. by your parents mm -hmm. and by your father. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I'm 65 years old. I have memories of being spanked by my dad right. and it wasn't pleasant. Right. I deserved it, mm -hmm. maybe sometimes. <laughs> but uh, tissues. but yeah, that's right. Oh, I was, I was. But um, so, so that idea of taking us to the woodshed in the mm -hmm. sense of he will discipline us because he loves us enough. Mm -hmm. He wants us to share in his holiness, mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 it, to have that peaceable fruit of righteousness. God's far more interested in our holiness. Well, and the, the boundaries that he sets for us have fallen in pleasant places. And so that is, um, it is his kindness that he holds us to that. Like he, he, when we start to step outside of that safe boundary that he's laid for us, that it's a pleasant place. And so yeah. it, in that discipline, he's bringing us back right. to himself. Yeah. You, you, you raised well, you, your, your children and they were out probably playing with other neighbor kids. And, and let's say they started getting into a little mischief, um, you probably didn't say a whole lot or care a whole lot about the neighbor kids. You sent them home, but you 
right. dealt with your own children. Right. Yeah. right. Because that's who you were invested in. Those, mm -hmm. those are the kids you love. Right. And so going back to your question, I think God, uh, he has a plan that he is conforming us in the image of Christ. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we move away from his presence, we experience, and the New Testament concept is death. Mm -hmm. The wages of sin is death. Yeah. Uh, we may be confused and deceived. How many times does the New Testament tell believers, do not be deceived, my beloved brother? We can be deceived thinking, oh, if we enter into this or we do this or we choose this path, we'll find joy or that's that's what's really going to make us happy. That's the 21st century mantra. Probably has been since Adam and Eve, but certainly the 21st century is everybody wants to be happy. So if this person isn't making me happy, I'll find another one. If this job isn't making me happy, I'll find another one. If this church isn't making me happy, I'll find another one. And it's not that it. Right. That is not in the mindset of God. Right. It's holiness. Mm -hmm. And so he will bring about that disciplining work. And that's what's happening with the, with the concept of the nation of Israel. Now, individual it, Israelites still, as Paul would say in that first century, had to come to faith in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And those who did not spend a Christless eternity in hell. Right. And you're 2,000 years later, it's the same. That's right. right. It's right. still in that moment. But the but the nation of Israel is that favored nation as an ethnic entity, mm -hmm. and God is going to be true to his word, mm -hmm. and, and he's going to bring them back. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's tough for us in our human brains to understand these two big characteristics of God, the love and the mercy and the grace and the <laughs> retribution and yeah. the, the justice that needs to be served. And and in the moment, I mean, we can speak in these large kind of analogies or hyperbole, but in a moment of quote-unquote God discipline, we're probably not going to be recognizing it because we're going to be yeah. far from his mm -hmm. word and from his it, we're ear. We're in deception. You know, his, his voice. We're in deception. Right. Yeah. And so it's not until we come back to a repentant heart with that understanding of who God is to look back and say, oh, wow, <laughs> there was some discipline yeah. that was happening, and I needed to take those steps back towards God. And that, by the way, I think that's the role, again, of the home. Mm -hmm. Where is that concept of God, or where should it be more, most perfectly formed and fashioned? Within the home. Mm -hmm. right. Mom and dad living this out and, and doing it. You know, I shudder to think how improperly, so many times, I mm -hmm. discipline my kids improperly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it affects their view of God. Right. Now, you know, praise God, they're all walking with the Lord. Right. We can have wonderful, rousing conversations about it, but <laughs> Dad should have done, done differently. Yeah. Right. But yeah. um, mm -hmm. that is the concept within the home that we need to be. Mm -hmm. They're going to view God through how they view really the, the dads right. and their moms. Well, and that that grace that we're we're all receiving, um, not based on our works. That's once again, it points us to the cross and what Jesus' sacrifice did on the cross, that he did what we couldn't do. Um, and so I referenced Paul Tripp last, last week in the, this book that I'm reading. Um, and he, I'm just going to read the, his words because I can't say them better. Um, but in respect to that grace, he says, it is God's generosity that is primary and transformative, not ours. We love because he first loved us. 
We give because he first gave to us. We lay down our lives because he first laid down his. We are willing to suffer for his sake because he first suffered for us. We obey because in his obedience we are given hope. We fight temptation because he fought it and defeated it on our behalf. We are willing to humble ourselves and serve because he left the splendor of eternity. He humbled himself and served up and through to the point of death. Everything we ever give of ourselves happens only because of the primary, the primacy of his gifts to us. He is the ultimate giver. And so it's just, we're just such recipients of God's grace over and over and over and over again. And he chooses us and, and his grace is what calls us. His, his grace is what gives us faith. His grace is what equips us. His grace is what gives us the hope of eternity with him. Um, so that's something that we can get a hold of for now. And like how we live, live our lives now, we can step out in faith because of his grace that he's given to us. He's already gone before us. Um, and we have nothing but grace to walk in. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a wonderful gift that, and it's all displayed by his gift to us on the cross because he ultimately did what we cannot do on our own. And I think that is part of the, the, the tragedy of the story of Israel. Mm. Because you talk about being graced. You remember the story of Hosea and Gomer, go yeah. take this wife who was right. a prostitute. Right. And that was God. Mm -hmm. and, and there's that scene in, in uh, chapter 9, I think, of Hosea or 10, where God says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? Mm. I, I'm not a man. I'm God. I can't do that. I love you. I mean, you talk about grace yeah. upon grace. And yet there was a time, there was a time where God will not strive forever. Mm -hmm. And... Romans 1 reminds us of that. Yeah. Verse, the, the wrath of God is revealed against all, all godliness and righteousness of man. Um, so I, I think it, another passage that it ties with that is 1 Corinthians 10, that he gives this example of, uh, of, uh, of Israel's idolatry. Um, they all were blessed, he says in verse 3, 4. They all ate of the same spiritual food and drank of the same spiritual drink and and uh, but nevertheless, most of them, God was not well pleased, and they were laid low in the wilderness. And these things happen as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things, as they craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. Verse eight. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did, and twenty-three thousand fell in one day. Not let us try the Lord, as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These, hap these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So going back to your statement and quote by Tripp, I mean, you know, God pours out the abundance of his mercy and his grace. It, 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 how, could we, how could we reject it? How could we spurn his grace? I mean, it just it's, it's lavished upon mm -hmm. us. And yet, he just told Christians as he's writing to the church, these are things not to do. Mm -hmm. Don't be an idolater. Don't be a grumbler. Don't yeah. be immoral. And again, he's not wasting holy scripture. He's, he's telling us things that we are capable of doing. We are capable of doing. Behold and I, the kindness and, and severity of God. And I, I quoted in, in my sermon from First Peter, I made a passing reference to it. You know, the judgment begins with the household of God. Mm. 
So don't take his grace lightly, uh, yeah. as Israel did. And they are, for 2,000 years have, and more, have been suffering where, the consequences. To take it back around, that's where I think doctrine and theology yeah. is so important yeah. because we need to know who God is. We need to have that holy fear. Fear is the beginning of not. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. And um, th that's that holy fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is, a, that is a gift of grace that we have that. And we can be thankful that we have the nation of Israel and scripture yeah. to have us look to and say, right. well, here's an example to follow or not follow. Right. And here's how God is dealing with them. And here's probably how he will be dealing with us along the same line. So, and be encouraged that yes. in spite of the retribution, He's faithful. It's not rejection. Mm -hmm. yep. He's undaunted in his faithfulness while uncompromising in his holiness. Don't ever underestimate yep. the power of his grace. Great, yeah. so, great summary. Well, yeah. let, let's kind of wrap this up. And I, I want to at least have everyone turn their attention to Easter because that is right around the corner in a couple of weeks. And to celebrate Holy Week is going to kick off with Palm Sunday where we are focusing on the theme of crowning Jesus and crown him. We've been having these song spotlights. I'll hear the power of Jesus' name. We're now going to spotlight crown him with many crowns over these next several weeks. So look at those lyrics, look at the content, and, and enjoy the response of worship of what that means. On Palm Sunday, it'll be crowning him as the saving one. On Good Friday, we'll be crowning him as a suffering servant. And on Easter, we'll be crowning him the risen Lord. And, and those will be key themes that will be highlighting. And I want to point you to Good Friday because we're not going to do an in-person Good Friday service. It'll be all online. You'll have the opportunity to choose anytime between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock to log in and watch and experience and participate in a worship time. And it can be just log in and, and do it for 10 minutes or 30 minutes or a whole hour, however you can see fit with the time allotment during that day. We're going to have times of reflection, times of scripture reading, times of singing and worship, times of teaching, times of prayer, where just on an ongoing basis, you can What happens in. if we can't be there from 12 to 3 during that time? We will have time. that posted online. So we can afterwards. access it later in the day. Yes. Okay. Just like watching a sermon, mm -hmm. it'll be there in that live stream mode. But again, we're not expecting people to experience three straight hours, mm -hmm. just as you can. Um, get get there and participate to reflect on the cross and what Christ did for us on that day. Then Easter, um, that weekend we have six live in-person services, one on Saturday night and five on Sunday morning, where the eight o'clock um, service will be the mass required. And then that's at nine, eight o'clock, 9.30 and 11 upstairs. Downstairs we'll have two services for you typical fellowship, three people, 9.30 and 11. So an FSAT is six o'clock. There's a lot. Plus, you can if, if you can't participate in person, you can still do that online. And so there's a lot going on that week. And mm -hmm. we are asking you to just let us know which service you want to participate in because we need. To, there's still capacity issues. We still are going to be seating people and ushering people in and out for COVID reasons and have the socially distanced spacing of the seats. So there is limited capacity in each service. We want everyone to participate. So let us know. And go online, go to fbcva.life, and right there on the homepage, you can see Easter weekend, and that'll click there and just let us know which one you're going to. So that'll be a great experience over these next couple of weeks. 
Well, thank you guys once again for being a part of the podcast. For all you watchers and listeners at home, keep giving us your feedback and input. We want to interact with you as much as possible. And uh, until next week, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but just rather transform a lifetime. So much love and God bless. Amen.